Hey everybody, we're out here at Welling Court enjoying the mural festival today as all the artists are working on their walls. Some have finished, but most are up there uh, putting the paint to the wall. And uh, we're here in the shade next to uh, next to some of the screen printed shirts going on and uh, there's just a lot happening here today. I'm here with Bike Girl. Hello, hello. And Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie. Before I even say hello, I'm so happy to see Uda in the house and she's carrying a cat. Uda and the cat are here. I hope we can talk to you. But right Artist now, we Uda have to Browser. Talk to our special guest, uh, back to the back to the table. Uh, say Adams. Hi. Welcome. How are you? I'm great. You know, I, I'm in Queens, so naturally my heart is at uh, City Field with the Mets right now. <laughs> but it, it's interesting because there is a subway series going on. So, so I'm just thinking about being at the ballpark. Speaking of in Queens, this is actually a, a wonderful sound, sound coming by. Yeah. Ice cream truck. <laughs> Sorry we couldn't That's get you hot dogs and beer. We it. got you ice cream. We tried. <laughs> All good. So let's let's get into it. Um, I appreciate... I'm, I'm Brooklyn-born. Okay. All right, I'm 40 years old. I've only been in the street art game a minute and not trying to say I'm anything. But I respect history. I'm a Yankee fan. Sorry, I had to bring it up so quick. I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, you, before we got live, we, we talked about what year you were born and stuff like that. I won't say that on air because I'm a gentleman. It's okay. Uh, but coming up, being a Queens cat, what was it like seeing this scene develop around you? Well, you know, it's funny sort of being here because in a lot of ways it's retracing my, my steps as a youth because I spent a lot of time growing up in the story of Queens. And this is where Lady Pink lived at when she was growing up. And so I would come here from Jamaica and we would hang out and we would paint. And it is, it's just interesting being back here now after all these years and thinking about this festival growing in the way that it has. But for me, it has a lot of you know, homegrown memories, especially being so close to your story of projects and you know a lot of great graffiti writers grew up over there as well so it's like a homecoming and you're sharing what you're on that long wall right next to crash and and days and and um, uh, queen andrea great yeah have you you've been at that spot for i was actually i painted there longer than anyone else i was the first person to paint there when it was just this long sort of sculptural factory piece that was in black, white, and silver. And then I did a giant silver, say, blockbuster. So it was just two people on that wall. And then, year by year, it started to get a little bit smaller. Por- portioned out? <laughs> yeah. Are you wanting more space? Or are you no, okay? I, this, this is plenty. This is yeah. plenty. <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, I, I, I like to average no more than three days on a wall and for most people that's a long time but I, I like to work really slowly you do so. take your time I remember watching in De- De- Detroit it took yeah. you yeah well for me being out here it's like a high school reunion so it's not just about the work I'm doing on the wall it's the it's interaction the with everybody else and so I, I really try to milk so it many, for everything many, it's worth uh, how many days on a mural do you lose to pounds just saying up to you, what's up to your boys Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, for me, if I could get it down to three days, that's a sweet spot. But most of the time, I'm out there like seven days. Yeah. 
Now this year, you're, you finished your wall. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, last year you were working I a couple days after, right? Yeah, yeah. Right now, I actually like seeing you after, but it's. Uh, I, I well, I came last week because I, I technically wasn't going to be here today because I'm working on another project, and this weekend was you know designated to be you know scheduled for something else, but. It was such a beautiful day, and I said, you know what? I'm going to come and sit down here with Sold yeah. Mag, and we're going to have yeah, a little talk. I'm so. coming to Welling Court, nice. and I'm happy I did. We got lucky on the weather. We were watching it for the last week. It was supposed to be rain, 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 rain. We got lucky. Well, artists paint in any weather. And, you know, the thing that's interesting to me about this is, you know, during the graffiti years, if it was raining, you were still out there. You just do what you had to do, and you keep it moving. So you talk about graffiti years. Tell us a little bit, I mean, without going too bad, far back, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Well, I've been at it for a very long time. I came up with Crash and Days in Pink in the 70s, and we were all teenagers back then. And it's just been a fascinating journey to see how this whole movement has changed because we're definitely like the elder statesmen of the whole movement, but people don't seem to mind, and the idea that we can bestow a little bit of knowledge on some of the youngsters is kind of cool because we sort of watched the, the movement blossom from the subway trains to the fine art scene downtown in the Lower East Side and then watching it go to Soho and then Europe and then blossoming all over the world. So... I know that you've done and collaborated with people outside of the art world. What are some of the things that you've done and collaborated over the years that other people would know in other genres that they may not connect you with? Wow. You know, I, I, it, it's so hard to think about now because I'm, I'm in this weird headspace thinking about the passing of Robert Indiana, and I'm just in a, in a, a strange space and thinking about Anthony Bourdain and, Ugh. you know, just this idea that all of these amazing icons are sort of disappearing makes everything that we're doing so much more important because everybody that praises this work really, you know, fuels our, our fire. And, and so for me, I just can't stop thinking about how much I love being around people and... You know, it's, it's just a good feeling to be out here and to get to see people after you spend so much time working on a piece. I saw I was recently up in um, Lynn, Massachusetts, oh. and you did uh, a, yeah. a wall, a nice long wall right yeah. as you get off the train uh, yeah. in Lynn. And so uh, are you, do you do a lot of these festivals? or Now I do. Yeah. Um, and what I started doing is I started doing the, these giant love murals, and it was really a way for me to put more positive energy out in the universe considering everything yeah. that's going on with the... We get know, a lot of that these days. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, artists are like the last hope at this point. Yeah, and, and it's also a universal message. So if I do a giant love mural and people don't know that I did it, I, I don't even care. I just want to put it out there and let people enjoy it. And that's one of the things that's so much fun about doing this kind of work is that it, it's, it's really for everyone else 
and I'm just there as a messenger to put the message there and then sort of step away and let it blossom. And it's always exciting to hear somebody that's seen one of those pieces because that was like a 9 to 12 day piece. I'm sure. I was just thinking about that because it is such a long wall, right, as you come down. And, and it's actually in like, it's a nice courtyard area as you're coming out yeah. in there. And I was, But I would imagine it would take a long time to have done that. Well, one of the things that I was trying to do was... I, I look at the work of some of my friends like like Shepard and people just keep going bigger and bigger and bigger and so I decided I was going to challenge myself and try to go larger than I ever had before and that was the first piece and then I did another one in Boston the following year and so now I'm on this kick where I'm really trying bigger to challenge myself. Well, just looking at what some people are capable of the piece that Mad C did in, in Germany where she just covered this massive building and just keeping the scale in proportion is something that is really important as well. So that's really the idea is just to go big and have a good time. Where is the, um, what's the most exotic or furthest place that you've actually, you have painted? Um, nowhere. Um, I, I guess the farthest is just probably Canada. I haven't done anything in Europe yet, but one of the things that's really been moving to me lately is um, two weeks ago I was in New Orleans and I did a piece there um, for the uh, Homer Plessy School, and it was a lot of fun to be able to make a piece like that in classic New Orleans in the French Quarter, and just to be able to have people come up to you and tell you that they appreciate what you're doing is a really great thing. Because when you're in the studio, nobody gets to see the work until you do an opening. But when you're out there painting live, people can just run up on you and tell you, you know, they love it, they hate it, a little bit more to the left, whatever it is. <laughs> do you get a lot of advice on what to do with your walls? Not a lot, but once in a while somebody will come up and they'll have something interesting to say. And sometimes the older people give you a little bit of criticism, but mostly it's positive reinforcement. We sat down with Zimad earlier, and one of the things he... Uh, we always ask artists, and, and think about your answer, when they're on with us, like, give the, give the kid, young kids coming up some advice. And his advice was, stay approachable. Don't don't put your headphones on while you're painting. Talk to the people that come up and want to be interested in your work. Right. Well, I certainly agree with that. I'm not one of those people that cuts themselves off. If I'm outside, I'm outside. And it's part of the experience for you is yeah. I've watched, when I watch you paint, part of the experience is the party that's going yeah. along I'll while, stop while you're painting. for anybody, and that's also why it takes so long, because I, I'll <laughs> stop, you know, to take a picture with somebody, to talk to them, because that's also what it's about. You're out there to interact with folks on the street, and so for me, it's a lot of fun, because those memories are also connected to the work that I'm doing. So having said that, what's the most interesting, as in probably the most difficult place you've ever painted? Um, nothing since the subway days. Uh, you know, that was obviously the toughest because, you know, it was, it, you were just working under really dangerous circumstances. Now, this is all fluff compared to what we had to do back in the day in terms of how we had to get our materials how we had to navigate the waters of getting inside the train yards. Compared to that, this is, this is you know, Disneyland. So <laughs> as far as uh, doing illegal work and getting up, do you think it's easier or harder for kids today? 
I don't know. I don't know anything about what that experience is like, yeah. but I would discourage it because you have all these outlets. Why do you need to, you know, do that? I mean, right. we paved the way for people so they don't have to do that sort of thing. And also, I mean, we live in an age of social media. Everybody's connected. The, the, like, the idea of being an outlaw and a vandal now is just like, it's a joke. Hmm. I mean, it, you know, there's just no upside to it and anything that you want to do you can find a vehicle to do it you know in a professional way do you hear that big ronnie don't do the illegal shit (laughs) and and i'm I'm sitting here trying to you know uh, uh, really digest this because what is what is graffiti why do people you know uh, why do people pick up a microphone it's so you can get heard you can get seen so you can leave your mark yeah but say he's talking different he's like you can leave your mark without being well, well, the idea, like, you know, with music, if you are making music, the idea is you're making music for people to hear. When we were doing that, there was no public outlet. There were no community, you know, organizations that supported what we were doing. So we took matters into our own hands. In 2018, that's not... Oh, I'm, I understand. You know. You're, so, okay, so we have to pretend that if in 1970 <laughs> Instagram existed, would, right, there, would right. graffiti have developed? Right. And, you know, the thing that that's tricky about it, it is been that... That's a, that's I'm a fan a of this vandal art, but I, I think that, you know, with, with a lot of the stuff that young kids do, they still have to do their homework and they have to have respect for their peers and the people that paved the way for them. Some of these kids tag over work and they don't even understand that the person that you're tagging over is the one that paved the way for you to even pick up a candle right. marker. But they're so young, they just don't get it. They're not cooked yet. Yes. And I, I don't have the time to wait for them. <laughs> so can we talk about something totally different? Yes. You did a piece for the Smithsonian. Yes. Would you tell us about that, how you got there, what it was like? and I mean, because that had to be one of those defining moments in your life. Oh, it was. I, I did a giant black American flag for the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. And I painted it live in um, on the National Mall, like... You know, right in front of the president when he's giving, you know, the ribbon cutting ceremony. And it was really moving. Just the logistics of working with and around the Secret Service was really challenging because I use a lot of materials that are sharp and dangerous. And Mm. just having to, like, you know, navigate those waters was really, really difficult. And. It was easily one of the most moving things I've ever done so in my life. So they did a deep security oh, yeah. check. Oh, yeah. For um, weeks at a time. And the other thing, too, is that I had to spec all my materials really carefully because if I didn't have something on site, I couldn't get it. Oh, that. yeah. So, you know, it would have taken days to get it. And then, you know, by then I don't need it. All right. What'd you forget? <laughs> Nothing, actually. Because I've done this enough where I had a pretty good checklist. He's a boy scout. But what was tricky was going from one city to another city to another city doing multiple projects and then ending up in D.C. And that was really difficult because I went to uh, Detroit, New Orleans, and then ended up in D.C. But I I think about that moment all the time. And it was just a, a true blessing to be able to do that considering 
where I came from and everything that I've done, you know, growing up. It kind of means that the Graffiti Boys kind of won the war, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Certainly didn't lose. Yeah, no, exactly. we've we definitely come a very long way, but I always feel like there's so much more to go because sure. we still need to earn the respect of all the national museums in New York. We haven't had a major retrospective yet. And, you know, thank goodness Ram LZ has this um, retrospective um, courtesy of Red Bull and the folks at Sotheby's. But that's a long time coming to get that kind of recognition. And they, and, you know, and I know that a lot of our friends are getting that kind of love in Europe, but, you know, we're here at home. Where it began. Yeah. Speaking about Sotheby's, what do you think about the two recent big boy auctions that just went? The Basquiat for 110 and the Da Vinci for 550. It was 110 million and 550. Wow. What was the other, what was the second one you said? The the Leonardo that just sold. Oh wow. Now was the, that the one that the they did still don't know if it's his or not? No, I think it was verified. Okay. Um, it, it was originally sold for like 50 bucks in the 40s or something like that. Imagine that. But the Basquiat which you lived through. Oh, that was incredible. I mean, I'm really excited for the estate and legacy of Jean-Michel considering where he came from but what I would like to talk about is uh, the fact that uh, Sean Combs purchased a uh, Kerry James Marshall painting for over 20 million dollars so to me that's fascinating considering I've known Puff since he was a teenager and I think that it's a great thing for young artists making work today because you think about somebody like him being able to buy, you know, black art. There's a lot of black artists out there working that are ready to have their pieces sold. So, yeah, it'd be great to have that kind of support hmm. for everybody else that's making work as well. So, do you think purchases like that by like Puffy Combs? Do you think it's uh, it does give more of a voice to that an overlooked? Um, group of artists oh, that, sure yeah. yeah I mean without a doubt because the other thing that happens is there's an education taking place sure. like you know Puff and Jay-Z and Russell and other folks that now are acquiring really expensive work and they're educating themselves about who's making art and how to purchase it it only fuels you know people coming behind them to want oh, to do the same thing oh they're creating a market yeah so now instead of you know, people wasting money on Cristal, they'll start, you know, supporting art, which is a great thing because I've been doing this for a very long time and I had that idea, you know, a very long time ago. Right. And it's nice to see that everybody's finally coming around. Yeah. I do see that with even, you know, with Instagram and that too, that there's a lot more. Uh, you know, people are calling other people out for not crediting the artists for certain work and whatever. Yeah. And so I think it's actually. Educating, as you say, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, people who wouldn't out of know. The gallery world, because for the longest time, a lot of people probably felt like they didn't belong in a gallery right. to buy a piece anyway. Right. Well, it's accessibility and, for and everyone. They certainly weren't welcome, so there, right. there's also well, that. Yeah. But it's nice to see younger artists getting opportunities based on you know struggles that other you know older artists have had to go through, and that's one of the things to me that's really great about the whole movement is that now we're at a place where it's somewhat of a level playing field because you don't have to go into a gallery or a museum to discover an artist. All you have to do is come out here and a lot of the work is really inexpensive 
But if you get in there early enough, oh yeah, and we're always looking on, for that next great artist. I mean, I have a few that I've watched that have yeah. just blown up. Yeah. So, but you also have to buy it because you love it. Oh yeah, because at the end yeah. of the day, oh, yeah. if you can't wake up at three o'clock in the morning and look at it and smile, <laughs> then sure. you got a problem on your hands. Say that was really good advice we had gotten when we did uh, around a podcast at Moniker Art Fair a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Jonathan Levine. Uh, came in and said, I said, you know, give give the young gallerists. I usually ask an artist to give the young artist uh, some tips. He goes, give right. the young gallerists some tips. And the first thing he said is, if you don't love it, yeah. run away from it. Yeah. If you're not doing and dealing with yeah. the work and the artists you love, you're, you're, you're wasting everybody's yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, none of it's guaranteed. Right. None of it's guaranteed. But if you love something... It's worth it. it already, yeah, right? it's not yeah. about anything other than that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for c- taking the time to uh, come on and talk with us. We, it was great for me to get to know you more because I've seen you work on the streets and yeah. I've seen you mid-paint, but I'm one of those guys that just stays back and watches, so it was nice to well, kind of Well, next learn more time, be you. one of those people that comes up and says hello. I will. I will. Thank, thank you. Guys. Thank you, say, thank you so much. You go, please let the uh, listeners know where they can find you online and spell it for them because that's a C, not an S. Okay. Um, I'm on Instagram at sayadams. It's C-E-Y-A-D-A-M-S. And I'm on Facebook, same name. Uh, and my website is sayadams.com. So, uh, you know, reach out. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much for coming in. Continue success. We success. are sold out with Say. 